The funny thing about living in a chaotic world is that we take greater joy in the simple things, like love and jewelry. Live from the Diamond Dealers Center in Midtown Manhattan, this is my conversation with Aryeh Rephoon. What if the truth came in a gel cap and we could just pop it in our mouths and forget about it? Well, it doesn't, and we can't. But we can laugh in the face of reality while plotting our survival. Welcome to the Truth Tastes Funny Podcast. I am your host, Hirsch Rephoon. And if my guests can handle the truth, so can you. Open wide, folks. Here it comes. In just under five years, today's guest has made a name for himself as a go-to bespoke jeweler in New York City. He's got a bevy of loyal clients and a growing list of high-profile names when Revolt wanted to do some custom jewelry, including a piece for Diddy himself. They knew that R.A. was, quote, the man for the job. And uh, .com Magazine listed R.A. and Co. among the most impactful companies of 2021, citing his ability to make a difference in the privately owned company sector in an extraordinary year. So not bad for a young man under 30. Um, His uh, latest line is going to be called Panthera Leo. It's coming out. All of the jewelry is very high end and also very, very high on expression and personal meaning. And I've known this guy since 1993 when he was born into my dynasty. So please Welcome to the show, Arye Rapoon. Arye, thanks for thanks for being on. It's quite the pleasure. We've been waiting for this moment for a while. So. I know, I know. We've been trying to schedule it. Your schedule is a little bit busier than than mine, but but still, I appreciate you're making the time. And um, so, did you know in 1993 that uh, that you were going to be in the jewelry business? I. It's weird because at that age. You know, under the age of one, most children don't really have that vision. But I kind of had this weird inkling that I would do something artistic. I don't know it would be jewelry, or, but uh, I had some sort of hunch. So it's kind of funny how that worked out. Yeah, you actually, you actually did, and I think more than anything, having taking advantage of the fact that I do know you so long and and so well, I think. There, what I will say was was always visible was a sign of a sense of ambition and independence that uh, you did not wait to go to work to to start working jobs making money, um, and while it wasn't clear what direction you were going to go, it definitely was clear that you weren't afraid to try new things. Yeah, that's definitely you know a big thing for me. Um, in college, I had tried out a couple of different jobs, got my real estate license, was working in that industry for a while. Um, and I was working in marketing, advertising, and I kind of fell into the jewelry business through a friend of mine that had gotten me in originally. And it kind of just grew on me. And, you know, I was working for a company for a few years and eventually got to the point where I kind of wanted to work for myself and make the rules and kind of control everything and, you know, pave my own path. So, Well, the thing that, that occurs to me and is that in the jewelry business, especially in New York, 
it seems like it's a really family-oriented business. People get in through their family, and you know, they're a cousin or a son taking over a business. In your case, you did not. You have a you ha, you have a, a, a great uncle that's that's in the you know that's in the business, but um, but didn't go through through him. You kind of didn't have any family really to speak of as a, as someone that you were working with. How did you crack that? kind of uh, code so it's kind of like any industry where there's a lot to learn from the beginning I mean a big part of it is relationships um, so I over time through my experience working on the manufacturing side of a jewelry company I was able to make relationships with a lot of you know great diamond dealers wholesale jewelers um, suppliers, actual jewelers that sit at the bench and do the handiwork. Um, but I guess the main key ingredient is the ability to make relationships with people, you know, strong relationships. Um, it's an industry based off of trust and reputation. So that's really one of the main keys to, to everything. That's, that's an interesting point is that is the role of trust because the fact is, uh, people are spending a lot of money on something that it's not like a car. You know, you don't need a car can be expensive and it's a major purchase, but you, you need a car. You don't mostly buy a car to show it off to people. And if you have reached that level, the sale is at a different level, you know, jewelry in and of itself, first and foremost, it's either the bling, it's either the flashiness of it or it's the meaning of it. You you seem to have straddled and gotten a hold of both sides. The flash, I know a lot of your clients are in the music biz or they're or they're people who just are, you know, out and about and they're they're representing themselves. You do a lot of custom, you know, kind of ID stuff for them. Um, but it's this this uh, uh, balance between luxury and meaning and personal meaning. What are your thoughts on those two sides of the equation? Yeah, definitely. So typically when people buy jewelry, it's either they're buying a brand, a reputation for being a luxury brand, or they're just buying a design um, they, they found in a store that they caught their eye uh, with us. And in that case, you don't necessarily really have a good idea of the quality um, of the piece. I mean, there are specs, there are details listed on the items you'll buy in a store, but at the end of the day, you don't know the background to the piece. You don't know how long it's been in the store, in the showcase. With us, we're combining the quality of these other big name designers. I would say we're right up there with Cartier, Tiffany. We're using designer quality material for each one of our pieces. And at the same time, it's not only is it a design that our customers like, a lot of times they're the ones actually creating the design. So it's blending that luxury experience with something that's a lot more personal than you'll usually get just by walking into a, a, any jewelry store, you know, where you have a selection of items. You may like them, but it's not really something that you designed yourself. Yeah. You know, so that that, that whole experience has really... You know, it's, it's been great. With clients love that, and it's, it's a big part of our business. And you also have, um, 
Um, you 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 have a pretty good hold on the marketing side of your business. Like you're you're pretty into the the image of the business, and you started out where it was just your face and your personality, but you set a standard for the company in terms of how people come to respect and think of the REA and Co. Um, have you thought about collabs with high profile, you know, brands that are also maybe in the luxury space? I mean, we're in the works with Kosher now, so... Oh, right, with the Kosher brand. We can work out. That's, that's but, true. Um, well... You guys are a luxury brand. Well, we're, we're a... We're what I would, inc- what I would call an inclusive... Uh, it's not a luxury brand in this... It's streetwear, but the way streetwear has, has right. been co-opted by so many luxury brands and, and holding companies, Kosher has, the, has luxury style... Kosher has uh, maybe Lux style. Is Lux a good word to use yeah, now? It's it's too yeah yeah the 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 branding is tweak. It's not, the design is clean, and that's so. In terms of our partnerships, you know, we are working with some designers to to start launching them on our site. But a a big thing is also when you're working with influencers or you're working with like popular personalities. Everyone used to focus on just having the bling, like something really iced out and crazy and big. With us, we'd prefer to make sleeker-looking pieces that are maybe smaller but a lot higher quality. And still, you know, they give off the same message. They get out the same message. And and appearance-wise, they just aesthetically look a lot nicer and, and more high-end. So we're working with designers that have their own lines and we're, you know, rolling out our own stuff as well. As an example of the, the way you work and the kind of stuff you do that sets you apart, um, and maybe we'll include in the show notes some pictures because I think it's important for people to get a sense. Tell tell us a little bit about one that you recently did. I don't know how best to describe it, but you know, it has the uh, interchangeable... Uh, levels like a three level tri level yeah. to talk about this this design a little bit <laughs> it's hard we're coming up with a name for the design also um it, it was really cool it was, in, it was a client's idea um she wanted a ring that was big enough to you know substantial enough that people can notice it obviously when she's wearing it to any occasion or on a daily basis um but She's had, you know, a bunch of different experiences and relationships in her life that mean a lot to her. So she wanted to be able to basically wear the different, um, there are a bunch of discs that you can screw on to the top of the ring instead of it being um, just one loose diamond in the center that you typically see. They're just, they're actually metal discs in, in platinum and white gold. Um, that have engravings on them. They, they're diamond-studded. Some of them are initials. Some of them are, are symbols. Um, and you're able to re- remove and replace each disc uh, whenever she wants. So it's kind of an interesting mechanism. It's like a screw. She could twist it on and take it off herself. And it, it gives the ring a, a different look each time. And it's, it's really cool. So we're still trying to... Yeah, it's beautiful yeah. to look at. Like when you see the, just even the one, you know, representation of it, it's beautiful. Um, how long did it take to make that? So 
that that took a while. I mean, we were working on it for like three or four months. Just even the and the entire ring is custom, so the ring itself, deciding on the type of uh, halo stones we were going to use for the halo, we used a mixture of uh, baguette diamonds and baguette cut sapphires. We had to individually cut each stone um, to match one another. Um, so that took a, a while, and then each disc, each custom-made disc for the centerpiece, took a, took weeks of brainstorming. The client had to decide what she wanted on each one, um, the color gold she wanted it to be, and what color diamonds or gemstones we would put in each disc. So it took a, it took quite a while, and even just coming up with the right mechanism to make it easy for her to take off the disc and, and put it back on, you know, as she yeah. ages. It took, yeah, it definitely took some time, but really happy with how it came out. It's interesting that this piece was created during a time where people are kind of raw emotionally. People are feeling emotions, good and bad, but, the, you know, there's no doubt that the world has been like knocked around like everybody if i could describe it how i was feeling last night was for no particular reason other than just sometimes you're just a little exhausted i was like i felt like i've been knocked around like like the, you turn on the news or 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 it could be something personal or it could be business it it, it could be a, anything and you like feel oh i'm kind of knocked around what role do you think uh what you do what your what your pieces mean to people? What role does that play in some in your clients' overall feel goodness? You know, in their overall emotional state. What's what what? How important is jewelry in that in that place? So, yeah, definitely. It's been quite a few years. Um, I think it kind of happened more organically where we just started noticing that customers were coming to us with their own ideas, not sure exactly how each one came up with, with what they wanted. I mean, we have spoken to them, so then they tell us, but we just kind of noticed naturally a trend where people were ordering from us, but they were asking if we can make specific designs. So it could have been to commemorate somebody or an event was coming up, but for whatever reason it was, it seemed that people naturally wanted to start express, being able to be more expressive, you know, especially since they're paying money for it. They maybe either had more meaningful experiences over the last couple of years um, or whatever it may be, but there was definitely a change where they started asking us to start doing a lot more custom design jewelry. And for us, you know, we loved it. So we love being able to be a part of people's, you know, biggest moments whether it's an engagement, a proposal, whatever it may be. But this is a whole nother uh, level to that where we're making jewelry with somebody and, and we're talking to them for three, four weeks on and, you know, planning their piece, designing it. They're telling us the backstory. They're, they're making changes. You know, they're having new thoughts, new memories. And, and it's definitely a lot of fun for us and it's a great feeling to be part of that, you know, well, and to we see the reaction once they get the piece and how happy they are. And, it sounds yeah, it's, like, it's great. it sounds like you're, you're at like a, like a, either a hotel bar or a party or a, or, or 
or there are clients in the background all getting together working on their their own jewelry ideas with your designers which is which is possible it sounds like there's a piano is there a, it sounds like there's a piano they have some, they have some jazz music playing and some a table of uh, women laughing a lot so. it's very it's actually yeah, that's the background. See if you were kind of a bullshit artist you, and a baby crying. Yeah, a baby. If you were a bullshit artist, what you would do is, which I think is a good segue into talking about the next topic, but which is New York City. But if you were, if you were like a bullshit artist, you would you would say, well, I'm um, right now in our studio. We have, uh, you know, I can't say who the client is, but they're here with their entourage and. Um, uh, you know, they're playing the piano and it's very loud, and they're collaborating on with my designers. And but uh, but I and and she has a newborn baby, and um, and uh, her Oscar's on the on the mantle over there. It's a, you could you could make up all kinds of stuff um, in New York, where I mean, for all that people make of New York being, you know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. I think. A lot of New York is also, you know, people trying to, 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 to stand out and people trying to make it. Did you ever think that going out on your own might be a little too risky for just a kid for, you know, who, who was in, you know, you were in Queens College when I think when you, when you started in the jewelry side, you didn't know where it would go. But when you decided to branch out on your own, did you get a little nervous about doing that in New York? Definitely, it's something that could be nerve-wracking, 100%. I feel like if you're going to do it anywhere, New York is the place to do it, just because you have other young people that are that are also taking risks like that, people that come from all over the world um, to try to make their dream a reality and... For that reason, it, it, it was comforting in a way knowing that there's like a, a healthy level of competition that drives that, that would drive me every day. And the fact that if, if I do make it in New York, then I can do that anywhere. I know it sounds cliche, but that's, that is the truth. Um, but yeah, it was def- it's definitely scary every day. You know, you feel like you're in the trenches trying to build the company with no... I mean, I have background in the industry, but like you said, I didn't really have family. It wasn't yeah. a family business. It was something that was named after me. I have to build it from the ground up. So it's definitely nerve wracking, but I've worked for a couple of different size companies, a couple industries, a couple of companies, you know, varying in size. No matter if the company has been big or small, I, this, I've always had that same feeling where I just didn't want to work for somebody. So. I was willing to take that risk for that reason. It's kind of just natural to me. Like I, there's a reason why I don't like working for somebody. So, you know, it's, I have to do this on my own. Um, so it's kind of a trade-off where it's, there's a lot of stress, a lot of nerve wracking, you know, things you have to deal with on a daily basis, but I still think it's, it outweighs the, the discomfort I had just working for somebody else feeling like my growth is very limited always. So, yeah. Yeah. But it it definitely is. It requires, you know, being able to take risks. Definitely. 
Well, you can always come home, Tatala. You can work in the broadcasting industry. Yeah, exactly, you yeah. can work in the streetwear industry. We'll put you on the, you'll do uh, halfways on Melrose. We'll put you in the sneaker business. You know, but it's. <laughs> but That's true. Having, the, yeah. yeah, definitely having, there is, you know, thank God I have you. I have a great support system. So, and I, I definitely, you've helped me with a lot of connections as well. And Mark, I did enjoy the marketing, advertising side of things. Um, so yeah, that is comforting also, but I, I, I am drawn to the, you know, competitive, you know, jungle thrill that New York city offers. Definitely. For sure. I mean, and that's the thing is when you were doing interning in your first jobs and you were trying all these different gigs, um, I think what you, what you realized is the same thing that I realized, which I realized we now have in common, which is that we prefer to be independent than to work for big organizations. Like, you know, I never seemed to gravitate toward working under people at a big agency. I'd rather have my small agency, you know, doing a podcast, doing shows, doing stand-up. They're all things that are ultimately maybe audience-driven, but client-driven, not not a, a corporate overhang that that tells you what to do or or you know, provides a certain, no two days are really exactly the same. And I think you, you thrive in that New York City thing. You told me once that the real estate thing gave you like a real thing where you knew the city like the back of your hand. You knew what, you knew what the properties were on every street. You know how to get from this place to the next place. And it's like, just for that alone, doing the real estate thing in New York was probably gave you some like peace of mind in a way operating in the city. Sorry, I was trying to mute my mic so you wouldn't get. No, that's fine. Out. That's fine. But um, yeah, it definitely, it definitely makes you feel at home. You know, when I was doing real estate, I was going into office buildings. We would say that we're going to see a doctor and then just get in and basically just knock on everyone's door, trying to meet people. We're meeting all types of people, like really high-level executives because I was just showing up at their door asking them if they wanted more space in the building. You know, that in and of itself is great experience, just being able to talk to higher-level people, which in New York is great. But, yeah, definitely getting to know the streets, getting to know the the actual names of the buildings. People may think it's a little nerdy when you just walk down a street and you're like, oh, that's the lipstick building. That's the MetLife building. And they're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But it, it, makes, it definitely feels good and it makes you feel more comfortable, you know, with all types of characters and just walking the streets. And, and this is where I'm trying to grow the business. So I have to feel at home, definitely in some way. So that helps. Do you know that guy... Oh, what's his name? The guy who was in Uncut Gems, Barry Diamond. Is that his name? Barry? The the, 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 real, the tan guy, the real tan guy. The real tan guy. I mean, he's the, he, like, I see him now in this. Do you ever follow on uh, Instagram, uh, New York Nico? There's this yeah. guy on Instagram. Yeah, okay. I've seen his face. So he has, he has that guy on all the time. And I, and I, I can't remember his name, but he was in Uncut Gems. He played like this really wealthy guy who helps them get a, get away at the end. 
and he's like really tan. He's he's you know probably in his late sixties and he's got. There were a lot of characters. He had that a big part. Actually, are on the street. Yeah, that are on the street every day. These so are real people, yeah. right? These are people that are actually on Forty yeah. Seventh Street and walking around. So yeah, I don't necessarily I don't work with them or know them personally, but you do see that. Yeah, that's a lot of the characters were just people that you'll see every day if you, if you walk down. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's definitely a lot of characters. If you don't really have to go farther than Forty Seventh Street to meet all the characters you need to in the city, so. So in a way, the time that you were considering, you know, acting and being in the theater and doing all that stuff, you're now in a kind of a circus-like atmosphere yeah. in it in itself, uh, you know, exactly, in the Diamond yeah. District. There's real estate moguls there, you know, lower end, like business people, some shady characters. You got everything there. Definitely yeah. people that think they're actors, are actors, are mobsters, who knows, it's, it's a mix of everything, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. And and you have a tendency, I mean, you have always gotten along really well with people, and uh, when you were a kid and we would go to the, to the park in Santa Monica and play, play basketball, um, and there would be, you know... Uh, ball players and and broadcasters and you know people that movie stars that would come and come and play and like you know and just always you always kind of fit in do you think that um do you where this i this idea of kind of getting along with everybody and and being soft-spoken because i'm kind of a you know I, you know, I'm a little louder. I think you're a little more dignified <laughs> than, than I am. But, like, what, what do you think that plays a role in, in how you do business? This same kind of affable warmth that you kind of exude? Yeah, I was going to say, I definitely get uh, any people skills I have, I'd say I get from you, but at the same time, I am a lot quieter. Um, I would, yeah, it definitely helps in business uh, for the company, for my personal brand, but I think the main thing is just being able to read people and, and understand them pretty quickly because a lot of times it's first impression, so there, sometimes it takes longer to read people, but if you just have like an innate ability to to get somebody's vibe or, or personality, you know, in a 10 to 30 second time frame, um, it helps because then you know how to kind of talk to them and deal with them. Being patient also, being soft-spoken, I think it just could be my personality. But, um, yeah, it's I've also just my experiences in life, I've been around a lot of characters. So even in high school, throughout college, and I kind of have been drawn to them also. I, you know, just all different types of people. So having that experience, you know, you're able to deal with all kinds of characters and well, you have have the patience for clients. And well, I was going to say, you know, you have both in your parents. You have both types of personalities. You know, your your mom obviously has a good sense of humor and enjoys, you know, laughing at stuff. But you know when we were younger was not the type to like, let's say get on stage and do a stand-up routine. Like I, like I would, but could still right. appreciate it. 
she's an attorney. You're you don't talk about this a lot, but you're but you're almost an attorney now too. You're you're finishing law school soon, and um, that's that's something you obviously you know want to have. Like like people don't once people find their way in in the world and they say, oh, I really love this industry. Um, you know a rare group of them will also get like a degree like you know a, a graduate degree um what are you now that you've been studying law for a little while what's your thought about that part of the the industry you know as a as a you know as a degree that you'll have yeah so first of all i will say yes my mom is very personable in her own way as well she's definitely i would say i kind of maybe get a little bit of that refined reserve side from her and having the degree i mean as i'm building the business and seeing you know how a lot of relationships work with with partners kind of on the outside of the business with clients as well um with marketing partners with promotional work that we do um have it, it used to be that the industry was a very handshake, you know, word of mouth, trust, reputation business. But nowadays, as new players, you know, enter the industry, the new generation, people, people want to have things on paper. People want to, you know, make sure they're protected. Um, so it's contracts are a big part of it. Um, when we're doing promotional work with with, with other partners. I want to make sure that our company, you know, is getting our side of, of the deal and everything is going the right way. Being, being an attorney can definitely be helpful for that. You know, I feel like I could represent myself. You know, it, it gives more credibility to the personal brand. Um, I, you know, there are parts of me that are definitely interested in practicing law, but even for the, for the jewelry company itself, you know, it's, it, definitely can be helpful when you're building new relationships and, and, and making deals with partners and other promotional, you know, figures and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Now, before we go, are there, I want, I want two kinds of advice that you could possibly give. One, one would be advice to someone who's, you know, younger than yourself, just kind of starting that road that you started, you know, you really started it when you were a teenager, but Let's just say, let's say they're 18, 19 years old, uh, or maybe they're starting a new venture and they're not just a kid, you know, they're, they're an adult, but they're starting a new venture. What, what advice would you give to someone who's starting something new? So I would say that a big part is figuring out or just identifying why they're doing it to begin with. Um, do they have experience working for somebody um, is this an idea that they've had for a while, but whatever, regardless of why they want to do it at the end of the day, in the beginning, you're always going to have your own self doubt, no matter who you are. Um, and then on top of that, when you start mentioning it, mentioning your ideas to people, usually you're not going to get the exact feedback you want. Thankfully I had parents that were always supportive of my dreams and what I wanted to do, but a lot of times you, you may have friends that, that discourage you or, or, they're, or they're jealous or whatever it may be. Um, try, I would say the best advice is to find two or three people that you respect and you've seen that they are successful and kind of just go to them for advice for the, for the most part and take their advice 
you know, seriously. Um, and other than that, kind of just block out the rest of the noise, people commenting, people may congratulate you on things they see you posting, whatever it may be. Take, take the good out of it, but, but any negative feedback you get, kind of just try to block it out. It's good to just be balanced in general, whether it's positive or negative. But I think that in terms of guidance, you definitely need guidance. And I think you have to like find somebody that you, that you respect and that you know has your best interest in mind and kind of have them help guide you through the process. But also, you know, be resilient, block out any noise, any self-doubt and just like stay consistent every day, day in and day out and remind yourself why you're doing it and you should be okay. Can't guarantee, but well, yeah, you can't guarantee. Can well said. Um, yeah. And then the other piece, the other piece of advice is for consumers, people who are interested in jewelry, who are who want to make a, a meaningful per- purchase like this. What advice do you give people who are in the market for a jeweler, and they could be anywhere, you know? But is there are there some rules that are good for consumers to follow? I mean, yeah, there are definitely some some rules. I'm, one of them is I, I believe that knowing your jeweler personal is a big deal. Um, there's plenty of great salespeople out there, plenty of people that you you know made seem trustworthy. Doing your own research is a big thing also. You know, you can price compare online, whatever makes you feel comfortable. Uh, but I, I think knowing the person you're working with is a big deal. Um you know, knowing they have your best interest in mind. Um, but in terms of the actual jewelry design process, you know, that's something that it takes patience and, and you should always, you know, make sure that it's something that what you had in mind is the product you're getting and it could take time. But I I would advise for the most part, you know, custom design it, especially since you're getting designer quality, high-end products. It's definitely an interesting route to go, and it can be really fun. Um, And it's great for gifting for all types of occasions. You know, when you go into a jewelry store, like I said before, you kind of have to pick from what you see. And even if you go into 10, um, you don't always find exactly what you want to give that person or get for yourself. So definitely the design process, it's fun. For the customer, I'd say it's mostly fun. For us, it could be a little bit um, stressful trying to make <laughs> everything work behind the scenes. But definitely, the custom design, luxury, you know, high-end jewelry, it it, it gives you a, a it's a lot of meaning. It it adds you know an intent, something intangible even to the gift to the piece they are making. So I would definitely suggest it. Obviously, we do you know we we have finished pieces as well. You can find them on our site, but. Definitely the custom design jewelry over the last couple of years has become really popular. And I think it'll stay that way for a while. I think people, people wanting to make an impression that they can be a part of that really reflects them and is an expression of themselves. And the fact that you can offer that is, uh, you know, it's just special. It's that much more special. And, uh, you know, that as you're, company grows do you feel like this very personal way of dealing with customers and stuff can you do you feel you can train other people now to bring to this 
what started as a one-man operation and has grown and will hopefully continue to grow. If that's the case, that means you'll have to train people to, to do what you do. Do you feel like you can do that? Yeah, so what, a big part of what I do is, is really just being working hands-on with our clients. So you can definitely train it. It's not the type of industry where we're really being salesy. So it's not like, you know, you would be on the phone cold calling people or even when people call in, it's mostly about just understanding what they want, you know, what they had in mind, what their needs are. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely trainable. But as we grow, we're, we're definitely looking for people that have that natural ability to, to understand others and, and be patient. Um, and at the same time, obviously a little bit of creativity helps, but we have a design team that, that we work on uh, every piece with. So we have actual designers that are, um, doing, doing that behind the scenes work. But in terms of, uh, helping us grow the company and dealing with clients, yeah, it's, it's doable, but part of it is we need to have people that have that, we can tell have that natural ability to, to be personable, to be uh, respectful and patient with, with each customer because we get a lot of crazy interactions, but you have to be able to deal with that. So, Well, That's one, the of the, one of the things that, um, and I'll close with this thought, which is that a lot of people, let's say, listening to this interview, while they may learn a, a great deal, um, and be inspired, hopefully, they may not get how funny you are and they, they will not see you because it's not part of the Aria and Co. persona to be like a goofball or be, uh, or be silly because nobody's like, yeah. it's not like getting tattoos. Nobody's going to be like, oh man, screw it. Let's get, let's get drunk and go get jewelry today. <laughs> although, although maybe they do when they have the money We've to spend on it. <laughs> You know, I know you've had yeah. some, we don't have to mention them by name, so, but I know you've had some high profile, uh, you know, people that you've met in, early on in your career and that were definitely that kind of, who would come in with a bag of cash and maybe they would yeah. buy something, maybe not, but th everybody knew they were worth, you know, a lot of money and they on yeah. a whim might come in and just spend. It's funny. It's funny because... I actually, a lot of my friends, when I go out with them privately or when we get drinks or spend time, they'll all mention how much they think I changed from when we were growing up. Um, but I think it was just because I was so out there when I was younger. It's a lot more noticeable now when I'm, I, I'm a, lot, a little bit more serious. But definitely it's, it's funny because if I'm at weddings or other events, like, People will be drunk, and when you say you're a jeweler and you show, I show them the company, you know, I've gotten people just place orders on the spot like that. Just, <laughs> it's part of being personable. Maybe they're a little drunk. Like, we, we confirmed the next morning they still want to do the job, but but it's, it happens. Yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely being yourself is a big part of it. Um, I mean, I, I definitely... Oh, you... you, you... More yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. What was the last? We we don't necessarily need it, but whatever you you said. Yeah, yeah um, but we had some guests walking by. So. 
<laughs> but, but yeah. yeah, so I mean, customers, yeah, when, once you're dealing with customers for a while on and off, like you, you definitely will, you know, they get to feel a little bit more of my personality. You get to know each other on a, a little bit of a more personal level. So that's fun for sure. Yeah. Well, Isaac, my, my business partner in kosher was at a bar mitzvah and, uh, you know, I saw like on Shopify that s- some people were buying uh, product which makes sense. You know, people are loose. They're at a celebration and they go, oh, they see the kosher brand. And they're like, oh, yeah, man, I'm going to buy, I'm gonna get get some shirt. They're more likely to put in the order there at the table at a, at a celebration, yeah. at a party, than they are when you pass somebody in the street and they're in a hurry and they got to go somewhere. So being a little relaxed and, and you know, loose definitely helps with, a, with any with anything but nobody wakes up the next day and goes yeah. oh, oh shit i bought three t-shirts and we don't have we don't have a retail <laughs> oh right store. yeah that is a big part of it you know that's true it's, we, we don't have the retail store so that every time we make a sale in person it's based off of some like mutual some event that we're both at you know so we have something in common a lot of the time so it's not like just strangers really walking into our store it's usually people we've met face to face and go, it's better that way for them at least. Yeah. Well, listen, um, this has been awesome. It's not the way we normally talk, but I think, uh, it's fun in a way. It's fun to treat you like a guest, have you as my guest, as, as a, as a guest. And I think as a guest, this is great because this this is what, Oh, do it with the headphones and the microphone and everything? Yeah, yeah. Every, we could. Yeah, every week. <laughs> we could do a weekly we could do a weekly podcast, uh, but not broadcast it to anybody. It would just be private. It would keep it in the archives. But where you'll have to get a new space and the, and that baby and that lady with the the piano exactly. is nice though. Yeah. Yeah, let's keep the jazz. Yeah, yeah. We'll do, I'll do it the by my piano, nice. the, the and you get like a jazz music. thing, and we'll have a Not little bad, jazz. Yeah. We'll create a little uh, t- t- truth tastes funny after dark. It'll be like a nice evening evening podcast. See, now it's quiet. Yeah, now it got quiet. But now it's quiet? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I think we yeah. fed off the energy. I think it was good. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for tuning into Truth Tastes Funny. If you enjoyed the experience, please leave a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends.